in Exodus chapter 20. We are in the fifth commandment today. Exodus chapter 20, we are going to read one verse. We're in our Ten Commandments series. We're going to read verse 12. Before we do that, um, I want to I say this. Um, you might remember that we've talked about how the Ten Commandments are not just the ten big issues, but that these, in Hebrew, they were called the Ten Words, not the Ten Commandments, that these statements, they form not just the rules of the kingdom, but really they form more of an ethic of the kingdom. And the Ten Commandments are much like uh, a ceremony. The language around the Ten Commandments and the covenant is, is much closer to wedding language than law language. Law comes after, but these are more like vows. And here's what's important. Up until this point, really up until last week, these vows have, been, have had their gaze on God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not worship any images. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Um, do not carry the name of the Lord in vain. When we move to the Sabbath, our gaze really turns both to God and self. And in this week, in the fifth commandment, the gaze of these vows turns outward. And this is where things get complicated. It's actually where the commandments get more obvious with the thou shalt nots. They get more complicated. It's where we see the difference between a law and an ethic. You might say thou shalt not kill. That seems like an obvious law. But we also know war is part of the world around us. We know that there are complicated relationships with this. You might think of it like this. There is, um, you might say that an ethic is you should drive carefully right? Driving safely is an ethic. A law is a speed limit. Does that make sense, the difference between those two things? Because an ethic would say there are different ways that you drive in different situations. If someone in my car is in desperate need of medical attention, there might be a situation in which I have to drive fast that would seem reckless in other circumstances because of the situation. A law is a way of applying an ethic. Make sense? We're all on the same page. So as we start today, and transition into the rest of the commandments, we're moving into this nuanced space where we are learning an ethic that gets applied in law and gets applied differently in different cultures. Sound good? The ethic is always the same, but sometimes situation changes the way it's applied. Cool? Awesome. Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 12, or reading only verse 12, it says this, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your presence with us this morning. We thank you for your word, for these vows, these ethics, these truths that guide the way we live. We ask that we would be formed by your word and by your presence today, that anything that Chelsea and I say that's from you would be remembered. Anything that's not, would be revealed so it can be rejected. Jesus is the only name that matters this morning. Let us be formed by Jesus today. We love you. Amen. Okay, how many of you know a good dad joke when you hear it? Yeah, yeah. Um, how many of you know somebody who tells good dad jokes? Do you have these people in your life? Maybe not enough of us, apparently. Um, CJ does. We have him in our life. Um, so I have for a long time had somebody in my life, and that is my husband, Jay, in the back. Um, long before he became a dad, he has been really good at dad jokes. Um, kind of cringy, kind of punny, 
kind of witty. We know a good dad joke when we hear it. Um, I didn't really know why he was good at these outside of just a talent until I met his dad. My father-in-law now uh, is the king, the king. And if anybody would challenge that, I would love to have a conversation with you about that because he is the king of dad jokes. They are multi-layered. They are thoughtful. Um, they have that punchline that we all know and appreciate. And um, I learned why Jay is so good at dad jokes. It's because he experienced them for much of his life uh, and in turn <laughs> gives them to me all the time. Um, I think we can see similarities in the patterns of our parents and in our families. Um, how many of you can think of or remember a moment where you saw your parent kind of become their parent or it, it became obvious to you, oh, my dad is just like his dad or my mom just said that thing that my grandmother always says, right? Um, I have one of these moments that stands out to me, um, and this is kind of a, a weird story. I hope this doesn't gross anybody out. It's not terrible, but um, that's my disclaimer for, for this story. Um, most Sundays growing up, and still most Sundays today, um, a huge blessing in my family is to be able to eat lunch with my um, fuller family at my grandparents' house on Sundays after church. And... There was a Sunday, I remember, when I was about 11 or 12, um, my dad has a very specific way that he blows his nose. Um, he's a handkerchief guy. That's a little old school these days, but he's a handkerchief guy. And I heard what I thought was him blowing his nose. No, lo and behold, it was my granddad. It was my granddad. They do it the exact same. I'm not going to do it for you. I didn't get that. I didn't, that didn't pass down to me. But it was that moment that I can remember, that's amazing. How, where did that come from? Like, is that genetic? Is that environment? You know, how do we get that? Um, and I think we can acknowledge, we can recognize that there are things, whether we, whether nature or nurture, whether environment or genetic predisposition, that our families, specifically our parents, have a profound impact on who we are uh, on our lives. Um, there's a quote by uh, Pete Scazzaro, who wrote the book uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's an incredible book, um, and really the book is his journey of uh, understanding how emotions and faith go together, that they are not separated that how we feel and the things we walk through deeply uh, impact who we know Jesus to be. But in this book, he says um, that Jesus may live in your heart, but grandpa lives in your bones. Jesus may live in your heart, but grandpa lives in your bones. By that, he means that our families have a profound impact on who we are. We can see the ways that our um, parents, specifically our caregivers, people in our lives, whether good or bad, have a deep integration into who we become. And that leads us perfectly into the text. Now, uh, in Hebrew, 
there are certain words, in fact, there are a lot of words that are deeply contextual. Um, in other words, the word means different things based on the context that it's said in. Now, I am not a Hebrew expert. The Bible is translated by Hebrew experts. Pretty much every translator uses the word honor here, but this is a word that's deeply contextual. What that means is that out of all of the things that this word can mean, and it means myriad things, it means a lot of different things in different contexts, in this context we assume that the closest English word is honor. But if you were to look up a literal definition of the Hebrew word that we translate honor here, it means to make heavy. It's translated a lot of different ways in scripture. It's translated harden in some places. It's translated things like significance in other places. It's translated in certain instances when, uh, and applied when you give a sacrifice to the Lord that you would give a significant or a weighty or a heavy sacrifice to the Lord. So this word is specifically signifying the heavy, weighty significance that our families play in our lives. And God is instructing his people to not take lightly, to treat with the significance due the role of family in our lives. Our parents carry a lot of weight in our lives. Exactly what Chelsea said, exactly what Pete Scazzaro said. Jesus lives in our heart but grandpa lives in our bones. The families we grew up in deeply form us. They carry significance. And that was extremely significant in this culture. The culture that this was written in was what we would say is a patriarchal and patrilineal culture. Now, I'm not using patriarchal as a political term. I'm using it as an anthropological term. So this is not combat boots and down with the patriarchy. This is a scientific term that means in this culture, that the family was organized generally around the oldest living male, the father or grandfather of the family. There are other cultures throughout the world that were matriarchal, but this culture was patriarchal. So what that meant was that as an individual, your value, your safety, and your impact was wrapped up in the family that you were a part of. As a son, your primary contribution to the world would have been the strength and provision that you provide. As a daughter, your ability to make um, agreements with other families. Marriage was just as much a political and economic union as it was romance. In fact, oftentimes it was more. It was about families coming together. The family provided stability and provided safety. Something that doesn't necessarily track in our culture um, it, that was true in this culture was that the primary goal of a family in the ancient world was not so much thriving, but was surviving. Anybody who lived to the age of, say, 25 had probably seen somebody die in this culture. Survival was not guaranteed. Birth mortality was significantly higher. Um, survival was the primary goal. Thrival was secondary. I just made up the word thrival, but we're going to go with it. Thrival was secondary. Survival was the primary goal. And as an individual, your primary way of surviving was through connection with your family. If you broke connection to your family, then your chances of survival decreased significantly. Your reputation came from whose lineage you were in. Your economic status came from your interaction with the family. The center of culture, the center of religion, and the center of politics was the individual family in this culture. This is drawn 
largely from the work of Dr. Sandy Richter, who I believe is a Old Testament professor at Wheaton University, if you want to do more research there. It was a patriarchal culture. Everything went back to the father, whose responsibility was to care for the family. In this culture, the father was not able to differentiate himself from the family. His decisions were for the good of the family, because the good of the family was for his survival as much as it was for anyone else's. And as an individual, your identity was inseparable from the family that you were in. So, when God says, give significance and weight to the family that you were in, honor your father and mother, he's talking about an obvious reality of culture. These people carry weight in your life. They carry significance. Now, in our culture, that's a little bit harder to imagine because in our culture, we value the individual over the family. It's a lot easier for us to imagine that we are separate and distinct from the families we grew up in. But what we know from psychology, from theology, and from our own experience, if we do honest internal work, is that even though our cultures are different, our father and mother still carry significant weight. The relationships that are the most formative in their life, in our lives, positive or negative, are the relationships in the home we grew up in. So for the rest of the message this morning, we're going to talk about different groups or maybe phases or stages of life we find ourselves in that interact differently with the idea of honoring father and mother. So Chelsea is going to explain those groups, and then she's going to lead us through the first one. Um, I would say that maybe for many of us, we can acknowledge that we grew up in families where our parents were trying to do the best they could. Um, Our parents loved us, cared for us, um, but we can acknowledge that they were not perfect. Uh, That became clear probably pretty quickly, Uh, but we had, had parents who loved us, gave us what they could, gave us opportunities. Um, I think even in that, there is a spectrum where we see maybe we have the kind of relationships where we idolize our parents. Um, maybe no one else compares to mom or dad. Um, maybe as you've thought about who you would want to marry and what life would be like, there's no one who really seems to, to measure up to the kind of mother, the kind of father that you had. Um, and maybe there's the far other end of the spectrum where you maybe at this point in your life, can acknowledge that mom or dad were trying their best, um, but my life is full of wounds, um, even though mom and dad were trying their best. My life is full of moments of pain that have been marked by the parent relationships that I have. Um, And I think we can give voice to that, and we can acknowledge that, and that is an important distinction to make. Um, when we think about what it means to honor our father and mother, to hold with weighted significance uh, the things that have happened across our life. Um, If we're thinking about this first group of us, maybe who have uh, parents who, who were, they were doing all that they could for us. They were taking us to the, the practices. They were helping us with homework. Uh, they were doing the things they were trying to provide. They were giving us uh, shelter. Um, I think we can, we can see and we remember those moments where our parents went from being 
mom and dad, and they took that role off, and we began to see them as human beings, maybe in a new way. Um, we can remember, um, maybe you remember a moment that stands out to you where your mom or your dad in your life um, was clearly another human being who was struggling. They were in need of the same grace that you and I recognize we are in need of. I think that it's in these moments that we hold honor and honesty as two sides of the same coin, that I cannot ignore the dynamics of relationship that I have with my mom and dad and just pretend like this command doesn't exist or, or that it means something for some people but something different for me. And so when we can acknowledge that we have wounds because our parents are human beings, even though they were trying to do their best, that in that way, I give weighted significance to the influence they had in my life. That my parents, our parents are in need of the same grace, the same redemption, the same relationship with Jesus as I am. I think that whenever we find that moment in our lives, whenever we remember it, that we can, we can look back and we can see and we can begin to look at our stories in a new way at the same time. That in our stories, God is writing redemption and he is rewriting our story, just as Jack and Caroline sang. Um, but we first have to acknowledge with honesty the wounds that we carry um, in order to bring those to the Lord in order to surrender those, to invite him to do that work in our lives. Yeah. I think that such, such a beautiful concept. Honor and honesty are two sides of the same coin. It is not honoring, it's actually dehumanizing to not tell the truth about someone. It's dehumanizing to not, to not acknowledge the full story. The way that we honor people is by telling the full story, which means acknowledging the beauty and the significance. For some of us, for a lot of us in the modern world, in fact, for most of us who find ourselves in the middle, one of the applications of this command is the reality that in our culture, we highly value independence. We want to have done things on our own. We don't want to need anyone. We don't want to be dependent on anyone. So we have a strong tendency to actually deny and reject the significance that our families have on our lives. And we differentiate ourselves. And so one of the ways that we as, as a modern culture can acknowledge and honor our father and mother is by acknowledging and being grateful for and celebrating the things that we are given rather than clinging to this, I did it myself, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps mentality that's so common in the modern American world. Does that make sense? Everybody tracking? Awesome. In, we have the responsibility and the gift of acknowledging the weighted significance of the families that we come in, and it is honoring, and it is a gift to be able to tell the truth, the good and the bad, because when we tell the truth, we tell the story of humanity. Every human is made in the image of God. We do not need to idolize or idealize someone to honor them because they're made in the image of God, and them being a human being is honoring in and of itself. Uh, it makes me think of when, uh, my story. When I was uh, a teenager, I was how most teenagers are, which means thought I was right about everything and thought my parents were wrong about everything. 
Um, as I have gotten older, I have realized over and over and over again that they were right about most things and that I was wrong about most things. Um, turns out being 16 did not mean that I understood the world perfectly. Um, but at that time in my life, I thought my parents were strict. I thought they had ridiculous rules. I thought their expectations were crazy. I thought there was, why in the world should I have a curfew? Why can't they understand that I was just hanging out with my friends? Why can't they understand that when me and my girlfriend want to go do this, we should get to because we're people too, whatever. Um, and I looked at my parents, especially my dad, as someone who was very strict and someone who was very, um, very controlling maybe. That might have been a word that I was used, used when I was in high school. And I've realized as I became an adult that one of the things that I didn't understand was the complexity of my dad's story. I realized, I think it was about the time I had my own son, Josiah, who just turned seven this week, which is wild to me. Um, I realized that my dad grew up in a wildly abusive home. My dad grew up um, in a violent home where what was modeled for him was someone who lifts their hands every time they are angry. And it all of a sudden hit me that no matter what disagreement I have with my father, that the transformation that happened in his life that I would have grown up in a safe home was a mir miraculous intervention of the Holy Spirit. I realized that what my dad saw modeled in his life was the exact opposite of what I saw in my life. And at the stage that I was in when I was in high school, maybe even when I was in college, I couldn't humanize my father because I couldn't see the whole story. But when I saw the whole story, the transformation, when I saw the mercy and the grace that was evident in his life based on where he started, and I was able to imagine him as a full human being instead of an idealized father, then I realized that it, it painted him as a beautiful reflection of the transformation of the Holy Spirit, flaws and all. Because here's the thing, idealizing is not honoring because no one can live up to our ideals. No one can live up to our ideals. In, in our world, I hope I'm not skipping ahead here, in our world we have this, um, this desire to protect the narrative and protect the story. Oftentimes we like the idea of never telling the whole story because it might make someone look bad, but we've seen over and over and over again the way that protecting the story actually leads to worse outcomes because nobody ever lives up to the ideal because we are all broken human beings. And when we protect when we hide the truth, it crashes down even harder when it's finally revealed. But when we tell the whole story, we're able to see the work of the Holy Spirit. And we're able to honor the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. We're able to honor the image of God we see in our parents and in the people around us when we're able to be honest, right? When we hold an ideal we denied the transforming work of the Holy Spirit, which is probably the most important thing about any of us, the transforming work of the Holy Spirit that has brought about change in our lives. There's another group of people that could be deeply affected by this passage, um, and that is parents. I am a parent, and if I, can, if I can be honest with you, anytime someone starts talking about parenting and wounding, I start imagining the therapy bills I'm going to have to pay out later in life because of what I'm doing to my son. I, just, I, I get super nervous and anxious because we talk about honoring father and mother, and it seems like this is a really heavy thing to do. It feels like being a parent comes with all of this uh, potential baggage that we can deal to our children in the world. That's why it's so important to understand that idealizing is not honoring. 
Because here's the thing. You can't live up to the ideal either. You can't live up to the ideal either. Every single one of us does not perfectly reflect the image of God, which means we reflect, we inflict wounds on the people around us. When we tell the truth about ourselves, it gives us the beautiful ability to operate with honesty and grace towards ourselves, to choose transformation over perfection because we're not gonna be perfect anyway. One more time, you are not going to be a perfect parent. If you think your parents were perfect, they weren't and you won't be a perfect parent. If you think your parents were awful and you're going to do things totally differently, you're not gonna be a perfect parent. When we, realize to give, when we realize that we are not perfect and don't hold ourselves to the ideal, we give ourselves grace to deal with the truth of our lives. Does that make sense? Y'all tracking with me? We give ourselves grace to deal with the truth of the world around us and to hold ourselves to the expectation of transformation. So I wanna, I wanna give you a simple tool that, because here is the other reality. Parenting is an honorable, sacred, and significant role. There are people who abdicate that responsibility and who do damage. But parenting, when done in the image of God, is an honorable, sacred, and beautiful thing. It is a significant weight. And we carry that weight best when we carry that weight as people who value repentance. You've heard us say this before the fold. Confession is telling the truth, the whole truth, good and bad. Which means confession is looking at my life and saying, here's where I've fallen short. Here's where God has forgiven me. Repentance is living out that truth. When we live carrying the weight of being parents, the honor of that role, as people who repent, then we live able to acknowledge our shortcomings acknowledge those shortcomings to our children, and then embody transformation, which tells our children that they don't have to be perfect either, that they get to embody transformation. It tells the truth, because honesty and honoring are two sides of the same coin. We honor by telling the truth. We honor the role of parent that we live in by acknowledging our shortcomings and embodying transformation. Make sense? Awesome. What a reflection of the gospel to our children. The power of apology, the, the, the power of forgiveness to be displayed to them. Um, I think we, maybe you had parents who were able to say, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. um, when they made mistakes. Um, there is so much power in surrendering that striving to be a perfect parent mm -hmm. and acknowledging that I will make mistakes and I am in need of grace and I can teach my children the value of that and the reflection of the gospel in that, that I am not enough, that I am broken and in need of a savior as are my children and they need to know. They need to know what Jesus has done in my life and who he is to them. I think that, I think it would be dishonoring to uh, ignore maybe a third group of us this morning who, uh, when we think about our parents, 
the pain that we consider is overwhelming, that the relationships we've had with our mom or dad have been, have inflicted deep wounds, that there has been significant abuse, significant neglect, emotional, physical. There's been abandonment for some of us in our lives. And hearing what it means to honor our parents is painful. The thought of what I think a lot of us consider, maybe in reflecting on this scripture, obedience. And what we're saying this morning is that obedience and honor are not the same thing. And I think we have to acknowledge when we're talking about what this passage means that there are some of us who have such deep wounds that when we consider what it means to honor and hold honesty as two sides of the same coin, that we have to invite God to do this work in our hearts. That this is not something that I can come to on my own and now have great clarity for how to um, honor, um, hold with weighted significance uh, who my mom and dad are in my life. But I want to tell you this morning that God sees where you are. Mm -hmm. That your pain is not foreign to him. That your wounds are not hidden from him. That he holds you in the midst of this place and he wants to rewrite the painful places of your life. That we serve a God who works through this pain and redeems our stories. Mm -hmm. That he rewrites the things that have just been broken and he makes them beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so as we think about Wherever you are this morning, in whatever group you find yourself in, or maybe in whatever the Lord is working in your mind and in your heart, that as we think about the significance of our relationships with our parents, with our mother, with our father, that we can acknowledge with honesty the reality of our stories and of our lives. You know, I think the, one of the more interesting things about this command to me is that it wasn't written to children. This oftentimes gets projected as if it's written to children about obeying your parents. But this is an ethic that's given to the people of God. It's given to adults because for many of us as adults, that's when things get complicated, to acknowledge the significance. When we're living in the house of our parents, yes, the significance usually means obedience, unless our parents are blatantly sinning. But when we get to a, an adult life, it becomes complicated. But God is writing this to his people, largely to adults, to be embodied and then taught to children. God is acknowledging that for all of our lives, our honoring our parents, telling the truth, Understanding the significance is a crucial part uh, of our, our lives, whether that is a beautiful significance that we are telling the truth about or whether that's telling the truth about a painful reality. 
But what is perhaps more beautiful that I think every theologian and every commentator on this passage points to is that we honor our parents as our parents image God to us. I started this by saying that and reminding us that the, the Ten Commandments are vow language. They're set up in ceremonial language. They reflect a marriage covenant, which means it is not a stretch and it is consistent with the theme of Scripture for us to say that in the family of God, God is the patriarch. In other words, he is the one who models for us what a good father is. He understands our stories in their nuanced complication. He understands the things we want to talk about and the things we don't want to talk about. If we look at our families and we say, I had a beautiful mother, I had a wonderful mother and a wonderful father, it is because they were like God. They reflected the image of God well. If we look at our families and we say, I was neglected or abused or harmed, or, or for most of us, we live in that complicated reality where every family receives wounds and receives blessings and beautiful things. We, we notice the good and the bad as reflections of who God is and who God isn't because God is the Father. And we see God reflected in Scripture as mother. He is the model. God is the model that brings healing to all of our experiences. And like Chelsea said, we can have stories that are rewritten. Now, I want you to understand that that doesn't mean the scars go away. Because wounds tend to leave scars, and scars tell our story. But I want you to know that you do not have to live with an infected wound in your life for your whole life. But that healing is possible. Whether your wounds are small or whether your wounds are great, God, your Father, is inviting you into a deeper level of healing. Some of us have lived our whole lives never acknowledging the wounds from childhood. We can live 20, 30, 50, 70 years never acknowledging wounds and missing out on the healing invitation of our Father in heaven, of the God who shows us what mother is like. In the theological tradition, um, there's something called apophatic theology, which is a fun word, and I like to use the, the big theological words. It means negative theology. It, it's pre it, predominant in Russian Orthodox and Eastern Orthodox past traditions of the church. And what it means is that we can learn about who God is as much by who he isn't. We can learn about the character of God as much by saying what he is not like as we can by saying what he is like. So when we look at the world around us and we see pain and we see wounds, it can point us to who God is by telling us who God isn't. As parents, we have the beautiful redemptive role of telling our children who God is. And that will hopefully come largely by being able to say this is what God is like. And it will also come as parents by saying this is who God is not. That's why repentance is so important. To be able to go to our kids and say God is not like that. God does not speak to you the way I spoke to you. I want us to respond. Now this is, this is a heavy topic. It's a heavy topic for some of us. Because some of us this might be mean being invited to re-examine a story that we've never looked at seriously. For some of us, this might be really encouraging because we are cho choosing to be thankful for all of the good things. For some of us, this might mean we have been kind of rebellious. We have looked at our parents negatively, 
And we now need to choose gratitude for the good things that our parents have given us. Because if our parents gave us life, then they reflect, even in just that, the God who gives us life. And that is significant. As a response, I want us to engage in positive and negative theology. I'd like for you to take out a notebook or the notes app on your phone, and as we respond in worship, this is what I want you to do. I want you to think about your story, think about your experience, and as you consider your parents, your mother and father, I want you to write down, God is like, and choose to honor the ways your parents have shown you what God is like. But I also want you to invite the Holy Spirit to show you things that need to be corrected. Because maybe you need to say, God is not. And you need to be able to look at your story and say, I love my parents. I am so grateful. They are formative and important people. They were flawed people, just like everyone is flawed. And God is not like this. And allow the Holy Spirit to begin that work of healing. I want to give one more caveat. As we do this, for some of us, this is a very significant practice. And this might not feel like a safe place to do that. So if that's you today, if that feels like too much emotion to engage for a Sunday morning, we understand that. Then I just want you to write down things about the character of God you're grateful for. I want you to maybe begin to journal just, God is a good father. And just acknowledge as a baseline, God as the example of father. And then you are invited to continue that journey in counseling with Chelsea um, or with a mentor, with a disciple, or with your fold group in a place that you feel is safe. But for many of us, for most of us who find ourselves in that middle ground where we love our parents, they are, wonder- they are good people doing their best who are flawed, what we get to learn to do is to honor the good without idealizing and allow God to heal what is not like him. All on the same page? As we worship, Let's respond together by learning more deeply who God is, by seeing both who he is and who he isn't. Chelsea, will you close this in prayer? Father, as we have the opportunity to reflect, Lord, on who you are and how we have seen you modeled and embodied by our mother and father or how we have not acknowledging places of pain but more so acknowledging who you are in truth God I pray that you would be so present with us this morning as we consider your character embodied and that you would show us exactly what you have to show us this morning as we worship. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.